friends, welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, I'm your host, and this is episode number 198, almost to 200 episodes. I was talking to my uh, sister-in-law the other day, and we were talking about the podcast, and she said, man, you're coming up on 200 episodes, like who would have thought? Like me, I thought this was going to go maybe 10, 15, 20 episodes tops, I'd run out of things to talk about and go do something else, and here we are. And I feel like we've barely even scratched the surface of all that there is to explore. And uh, we're still exploring. So episode number 198. And uh, this is a conversation with Matthew Fox. We just talked to him, I want to say like two weeks ago on the podcast, two or three. Uh, We talked about his book, Julian of Norwich, uh, Life in the Pandemic and Beyond. Life in a Pandemic and Beyond. And he kind of explored Julian of Norwich, who was a saint, and uh, kind of her life and the bubonic plague, all sorts of stuff about that. But this book is a, is a new book he just released like a week ago. And uh, it's called Essential Writings on Creation Spirituality. And it's part of the Modern Spiritual Masters series. So I'll explain what that is. But real quick, the book is is a collection of all of Matthew's like writings. So this, let me see something. I'm, I'm, I'm live and in the book right now as we speak. Does it have a list? Of all the books that Matthew Fox has written. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I don't think it does. He's written a ton of books. That's my point. A ton of books. If you go like look him up, so many books in all different languages. Really, really amazing person. And I am so, so grateful that I've had him on the show now, I think like four times. And he's become like a He's a friend. Like, I really enjoy talking to Matthew, and I always learn something from him. But this book is a collection of all, it's like stuff taken from all of his writings and pieced together into this book. And we he explores things, creation, spirituality, uh, the Christ. There's stuff in here about, like, the nature of evil, all sorts of different things. Like, if you have questions, this book has some perspective for you. And if you're new to Matthew Fox, this is a great place to start because, it, like I said, it gives you an overview of all of his stuff. And after you read this, you'll know what books you want to go read more of. Like there might be an excerpt from his book on the cosmic Christ. And you'll be like, oh, this paragraph is like dynamite. Let me go get this book and then go get the book and read about it a little bit more. So really good stuff. Uh, we cover a lot of ground in this episode, so I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, in the show notes, I'll put all of his links, links to my book as well, uh, Rethinking Everything. It's available on Amazon. It's about my spiritual journey. So if you have questions <laughs> about about me, sometimes people ask questions like, tell me about this part of your journey. Tell me about uh, why it is you think what you do about hell or the Bible, whatever. The book has the perspective, <laughs> has some answers uh, in there. So go check it out. I would love to hear your thoughts. Leave a review on Amazon if you could. Send me an email, whatifproject.net at gmail.com. I will answer you. I try to answer like within a week if somebody emails me. So give me a little bit of time, uh, but I will get back to you. I'd love to uh, hear your thoughts about the book and uh, converse with you uh, in that way. Look me up on Facebook, Instagrams. I'm not on Twitter anymore. I deleted Twitter because it's like a, I don't know, it's like a, a toxic pit of horror. <laughs> Twitter just sometimes is like out of control. Uh, people just using their 140 characters or less like daggers. And it was just it was just a little bit too much and not really geared at me. 
just like going scrolling through and reading stuff. I'm like, ah, this is just too, too much. So I got rid of it. Uh, but I am on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and uh, and those 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 places. So anyway, all the links uh, will be in the show notes along with Patreon. Buy me a coffee if you want to support the show. But all I have to say, this is episode number 198. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here's another conversation with the one and the only Matthew Fox. Enjoy. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind. The sun ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. It gonna get started, we can do what we wanna wake up. Wake up, get your morning started. Drinking daily coffee, got this money on my mind. The sun ain't always shining, but it's brighter days ahead. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Got myself to see the big picture. You not alone, I'm right there with ya. Trust me, get up. Guess I gotta be more stricter. Keep my head up, getting more slicker. I know, yeah. Hey, right, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Uh, today, we're sitting down once again with our friend Matthew Fox to talk about his brand new book that just released. Actually, the day of the recording today, it has released uh, as part of the Modern Spiritual Master series. It's called Essential Writings on Creation, Spirituality. And so, Matthew, my friend, welcome back to the show. It's always uh, an honor to sit with you. Thank you, Ben. Good to be back with you. Thank you. So talk to us about this book, uh, first of all, because it's not like a, what I would call normal book in the sense that you kind of sat down at your computer with this plot, you know, of books, the chapters and different things like that, but it's a little bit different. So maybe tell us about the book and what exactly is this modern spiritual master series that you're part of? Mm -hmm. Well, um, it's true. It's what it is, is a collection of excerpts from my various books. And uh, I didn't, do it myself. I didn't put it together. Uh, give credit to Charles Burak, who's a, uh, a Jewish scholar. Uh, he actually was on my faculty uh, teaching the Kabbalah and so forth, and he was head of the humanities department at JFK University. Mm-hmm. So I think it's neat to get an outdoor, an outdoor, and, and um, what's the word, a um, more objective look at my work. And uh, bless his soul, he read all my books for this. Well, I mean, read most of them before we read every book, even my doctoral thesis. So wow, you know, he went way back. <laughs> he's done his saintly asceticism yeah. for the rest of his life. But he wrote a forward to it, an introduction, which is quite lengthy and it's quite biographical. And he kind of connects my my journey with my writings. And uh, a lot of people love that um, that introduction. Uh, the editor at Orbis has said it was a work of art. Mm-hmm. So I, I praise him for that. And of course, I had my say too. He would collect the sections and I would speak to, um, to my preferences. But um, he covers many fields from deep ecumenism to the mystics to the mm-hmm. basis of creation spirituality and of course, ethics and uh, decisions we make and, and the world of, of of ritual and, and liturgy and, and prayer and so forth. Hmm. So he kind of covers the whole picture and uh, I give him credit for that. But as far as the series goes, this is a very impressive series that Orbis has been putting out for many years now. And um, there are wonderful names in this series. Hmm. I think one of the first was Flannery O'Connor, hmm. uh, but there's Thich Nhat Hanh and there's Gandhi and there's uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and yeah. um, all kinds of names that people would recognize. And um, I do think it's a wonderful uh, 
uh, series because it does bring out an off, a very very diverse uh, but important collection of thinkers over the last uh, decades who are trying to wake us up. I mean, there's even uh, Pope John the Twenty Third, mm. and of course Richard Rohr, John Sabino, liberation theologian, David Steinelross, and um, Mother Teresa, Simone Weil. Um, all kinds of thinkers. And so I'm honored to be part of it. Mm. And um, um, especially at, at this time in my life, I had just turned 81. And, um, you know, you kind of look back and say, what's it all been about? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so this kind of book, you know, brings things together. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about it, especially for the new generation, for young people. They yeah. weren't around when I was going through the hullabaloo with the Vatican, two two popes, not the present one, two previous popes, right? And which made the headlines and all that. So that's um, what can I say? My notoriety is has uh, has faded somewhat <laughs> since uh, my my heydays. So, yeah. but this is a way of reaching a new a new generation in a less um, what should I say a less uh, uh, notoriety notorious. Yes. Uh, you know, just laying out what I've been trying to say. And yes, the previous Vatican called my work, quote, dangerous and deviant, unquote. Mm -hmm. But maybe that's, um, that's something of a compliment. And really, I was a little bit ahead of them when I was raising new questions about spirituality yeah. and about how we apply the uh, gospel message to history. And uh, including, of course, to to the issues of Mother Earth suffering and the issues of climate change and the rest. I mean, creation spirituality is obviously about creation, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. So uh, you begin with creation because that's what birthed us. God began with creation, not with us. Right. <laughs> that <laughs> took 13.8 billion years to, to uh, dare to bring humans on the planet. I mean, something else was there before we were? No. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it was very good. Like, like Genesis 1 says, yeah. original blessing. I mean, that, that, it's, it still amazes me. I just, I'm so naive, I guess, that the previous Vatican, the roof went off because I talked about original blessing. Yes. Uh, instead of original sin. I just don't know what these theologians have done with the first page of their scriptures that someone had it ripped out of them i think that they, yeah they don't get the message that the creation is good and even very good even with humans on board it's very good sure it's pretty hard to, to believe at times <laughs> right. like these times you more especially yeah but that's what we have to be reminding ourselves of you see that we're 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 born out of a a, a a desire of love and sharing yeah. what Thomas Aquinas says, sure joy. Yep. Aquinas says, sure joy is God's and that demands companionship. So it's joy that was the reason for the universe. Mm. Now let's look around and see, ooh, how are we doing? Well, not real well. We can look at Ukraine and other places. Yeah, But uh, that's the bottom line that we've got to return to. It's really good. So take us a little bit deeper into this topic of creation spirituality, because Obviously, it's the, the, the headline of the book. It's really the kind of centerpiece, I would say, of your work. But how exactly does this type of spirituality, in terms of like a definition, um, differ from maybe the spirituality that many of our listeners are familiar with, which is more that fall redemption 
piece? Like what exactly is the key difference? Where does that difference come from? How far back? Like does this, like, does this kind of thinking date? Maybe take us into that a little bit deeper. Sure. Um, well, what's interesting is that it is the earliest tradition in the Bible. Mm. The J source, the Yahweh source, the first writer, if you will, in the Bible is creation center. Mm -hmm. And um, and Jesus, we know the historical Jesus comes from the wisdom tradition of Israel. Yep. And the wisdom tradition, which came late in Israel, but um, nevertheless, it was uh, creation center too. So it was bringing back this mm. um, naming of the experience of God in nature. And um, of course, wisdom in the Bible and elsewhere is feminine. It's the Eastern version of, of uh, wisdom. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a big part of when this was lost, that the modern era, when patriarchy really took over in a heavy way, uh, really banished wisdom from university mm. and, and from, um, well, consciousness mm. and, and, the, and our theological questioning. And um, uh, a lot of that actually is due to the, the bubonic plague, the great pandemic of the 14th century. Uh, Julia Norwich is over my shoulder here, and she lived through that bubonic plague. She was seven when it began, and and it kept coming back in waves her whole life, and it killed between one out of two and one out of three Europeans. So there was a terrible angst and fear about nature that was introduced that was never there before, because before the 15th century, and certainly before the modern consciousness, you had all these great mystics, Hildegard Ebbingen, Francis of Assisi, Thomas Aquinas, Matilda Magdeburg, Meister Eckhart, Julian Norwich, who, who began uh, their theology with the cosmos, not with the human, not with human sin, but with cosmology, just like the Bible begins. Check out Genesis 1. There's not a word about sin in there. Yeah. Evil comes the next couple chapters. So, yeah. so the point is that um, so Christ spirituality begins with original blessing, not original sin, because mm -hmm. that's what blessing means, goodness. Mm -hmm. and, um, and out of that comes joy that we've all been invited to this planet <laughs> and to this existence. And is, the bottom line is that it is joy. And as Aquinas says, divinity, God is trying to share the joy with other creatures. Mm -hmm. And often you find it in other creatures, you know, the birds sing and the and the porpoises dive and play, and um, and your dog and cat purr and, and show their contentment at living. But yeah. we humans are out here trying to devise better wars and bigger wars and worse wars. And <laughs> it's kind of breathtaking. Yeah. No question that we humans are different, and our difference is that we're capable of evil. It, Thomas Quine says one human being is... Um, is capable of more evil than all the other species put together. Mm. So that shows our distinction as a species that we have this incredible intelligence and choice making mm -hmm. and creativity. And we can choose, as the Bible says, choose life or choose death. Mm. And it is a choice that we make daily, we make in our politics, we make in our religions and all the rest. And so we always have to be examining ourselves. Mm. But again, the so the Christ tradition is feminist mm -hmm. because it honors wisdom and, and the divine feminine and the equality of genders and, um, and healthy masculinity, but not mm -hmm. the, the reptilian brain masculinity that has run away with things uh, during the eras of, of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we're experiencing it live on TV today with uh, the news from Ukraine. I mean, here's another man, Putin, who's, who's over the top with his desire to, um, to rule the world, if you will, uh, you know, and all of his excessive authoritarianism is, of course, found in other dictators and wannabe dictators in our politics, too. Mm. So the, the question of, of um, choosing the path of spirituality, which would move us beyond the era of patriarchy, to me, that's built into um, to Christian spirituality, because after all, Earth is our mother. Yeah. And to talk about saving the earth from climate change and from ourselves is, is to talk about Mother Earth, the divine feminine again, the sacred man. Mm. Uh, it's about finding the sacred in all of creation. That is what Christian spiritual is about. And um, look at Jesus' parables that so mirror his mm. experience in nature. Yeah. That he drew so many lessons. And of course, he was a... Um, a peasant farmer, his family was, and he was a carpenter. So crafts and, and the whole role of creativity mm -hmm. in, uh, is part of his, his uh, consciousness too. And of course, he chose storytelling. He chose parables to give his message out there because he chose that way and not doctrines and lists and canon laws. He's remembered because a good story, as you know, gets retold and, and has different angles on it. And we find that even in the Gospels, you know, Luke tells a story this way, like the Beatitudes, he's got four. And then Matthew tells it this way, he's got eight or nine. And why not? Why wouldn't you have this diversity? Jesus wasn't reading from a script, you know. <laughs> he was most likely illiterate. He didn't write out his talks. Yeah. And so, you know, give him a break. You know, there could be some spontaneity there. Right. So, um, you know, I just think that the creation tradition, why, why have we wandered so far from it? You see, why is fall redemption? Why is beginning with sin um, the dominant uh, teaching in current Christianity? It has been for, for hundreds of years. Well, I think the bubonic plate had a lot to do with it mm -hmm. because people so freaked out. And blamed it on nature, of course. Why and God? God, why is God killing us? Mm -hmm. Want to kill us? And then many men said, "Oh, it's because of our sins." Mm -hmm. So let's flagellate ourselves and so forth. And that whole attitude, I think, to lead religion with sin, has dominated for five hundred years. Mm -hmm. And um, whereas Aquinas says the essence of religion is supreme thankfulness and gratitude. Mm -hmm. That's the essence of religion. Not beating yourself up. For sin. Yeah. And you know, now we're experiencing, I think, a, a, another shadow side to that choice that Christianity made. And that is that we've trivialized sin. Mm -hmm. And so when evil comes along, something like the Ukraine war, for example, or the war on Mother Earth, mm -hmm. we're, we're almost without language uh, because the word sin really doesn't work. Evil is so much bigger than sin. And Paul talks about that, doesn't he? About the our, our struggle is against the, the spirits, the evil spirits of the world. And um, so, so you know, that's part of the problem, too, that we've we've shrunken our capacity for evil, and yet here it is, is is blowing up in our face, literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So we we trivialize religion when we begin with the human. 
uh, we should begin with the cosmos. And that's where we're so blessed today with from science when it comes to a new creation story, because it's one story after another about the awe mm. that, that is elicited when we, when we learn the new creation story from science. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it parallels nicely in many ways chapter one of Genesis, that, that there is a gradual unfolding, that humans come last, but it's all good along the way. It's all good. It's all good. And when all together, it's very good. Mm-hmm. And that word can be translated in, from Hebrew as very beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we, we got ourselves into a corner, an anthropocentric, what, what Pope Francis calls a narcissistic corner. Well, he doesn't call it the corner. That's my. <laughs> but um, in doing that, we we have to break out of that, and that's what Christ Christianity does for us. And and the great mystics. I mean, I'm not making this up. All these mystics before me have named this in their wonderful poetic ways, and and addressed these these foundations of religion to solving problems in their time mm-hmm. that humans were making. Uh, so in no way is Christianity a denial of sin. In fact, it's the opposite. It's empowering us mm-hmm. to get the energy and the generosity and the willingness to sacrifice in order to um, take on the real powers of, um, of, of evil that we're all capable of, that every country is capable of, that every church is capable of, that every ideology is capable of, mm-hmm. of what humans are capable of. Yeah. So would you say that before the bubonic plague, then the kind of the, the the narrative of fall redemption was there, I'm sure, obviously, but it wasn't it wasn't as big Did the bubonic plague really like magnify it in a lot of ways and kind of really bring it to the surface and became the dominant theme. Absolutely. But um, like in, in the Celtic tradition, which Hildegard represents so well, that she was German, but the Celts settled into Germany and she was raised in a Celtic monastery. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they too, they begin with the glory of creation, as does St. Irenaeus in the second century, who was Celtic. Mm -hmm. And um, that, um, so this tradition, and of course, Francis of Assisi, who came right after Hildegard, born Mm -hmm. two years after she died, uh, it's obvious there. Mm. that, um, you know, he's trying to awaken us all not to take nature for granted, including Brother Wolf and and the birds and all the rest. And Mm -hmm. this is not sentimentalizing. Uh, Francis was very astute fellow, and he was very critical of the church in his day, Mm. very critical. In fact, his opening uh, vision was a, a message to repair the church. Yeah. And he took it literally as a young man as, oh, I got to rebuild this broken church here. So he started to do that, rebuild the stones. But then it grew on him that this was, hey, this wasn't just about a building, a little <laughs> chapel that, that was <laughs> decrepit. It was about a big thing that was decrepit, right. namely the corruption of the church in the time. Yeah. And how the monasticism, which had done a lot of decent things over the centuries, was at a period where it had so closely wedded mm-hmm. with the feudal system that it it wasn't preaching religion anymore. It was just keeping the status quo, status quo going of Christian living, his mm-hmm. order. St. Dominic um, was doing the same thing. They were, they were contemporaries because both recognized that the young were fleeing to out of feudalism because there was no work for them in the feudal system mm-hmm. into these towns which overnight grew into cities. 
and um, they had a new vision of the world. But the monks were all fat and hell and and uh, sated, living in the off the fruits of the land uh, that feudalism had had made them, you know, privileged yeah. to enjoy. So that was a real rupture, a real reform in the church in the 12th and 13th century to let the monastic establishment um, and its privileges go and try this new version of uh, active contemplation that the Dominicans and the Franciscans uh, uh, preached. Mm. Now, it didn't go perfectly well. The Franciscans... Uh, took away the order from Francis while he was still alive, which I think is what killed him. Uh, I think he died of a broken heart, actually. And, um, and uh, they turned it into a clerical system. He didn't want his brothers to be ordained because he, re he realized he was very astute. He realized this priesthood thing can, you know, it gets you high up on a ladder Absolutely. and out of touch yeah. with people yeah. very easily. And then also within a generation, both the Franciscans and Dominicans were called into the inquisition mm. and so they were pretty battered by that spiritually speaking some resisted and some did not mm. um so you know it's not like many human stories it's not it's not pure in its um in, in its reality yeah. but the effort was there and sociologically it was very significant i mean i think it was in a couple of years after francis launched his order I think they had over 5,000 members. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, yeah. Yeah, who are committed to something revolutionary, really. Sure. Radical. sure. And, and the Dominicans, too. And they flooded into the new universities. Remember, the university was just growing at that time. Hmm. And um, so they, and they, you know, they, they drew lots and lots of eager and talented um, and uh, questing hmm. uh, young minds at that time. And, you know, all that was a very positive thing. Of course, Thomas Aquinas was one of them. Yeah. And uh, he was a genius. Really. I mean, one thing he had a photograph of mine, memorized the Bible like that. Really? I didn't know that. Oh, wow. oh yeah. And he would dictate to four secretaries at a time. Wow. <laughs> and um, he just didn't stop. Uh, even though he traveled quite a lot, he taught in Paris, and then he traveled to Cologne and to Rome and back to Paris and all this and wow um, and, you know traveling then wasn't taking a train or getting on a plane get a plane right <laughs> and you couldn't travel on a horse if you were Dominican because you probably had to travel on a mule mm. yeah, tried riding a mule from Rome to <laughs> Paris you know especially when you're overweight like he was yeah right <laughs> you, know? you haven't got to imagine some of these when there were wild bears and things in Europe at the time too, I mean, yeah. as well as brigands on the road and all this stuff. I mean, there's much more adventure in these people's lives than we've been told, you know. Yeah, was, a lot more to the story than we've been told, right? Exactly. And sure. like Jesus, you know, it blew my mind a few years ago when I realized that Jesus was, you know, in the desert with John the Baptist as an adolescent, mm -hmm. and that there were lions in that desert in Judah at the time. Jesus, you know, had his part of his rite of passage was growing up with lions as a yeah. teenager now wow. you know check that out and then his mentor of course got his head yeah. cut off by the empire i mean that was all part of jesus baptism if you will or initiation 
Yeah. What does that do to your theology, right? What's that? What does that do to your theology? Exactly. 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 Yeah. 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 Wow. So another piece of your work is um, the cosmic Christ is a place that you, you focus on a lot. And we talked about this a little bit last time, but I'm interested to kind of hear a little bit more about how the idea of the cosmic Christ fits into creation spirituality specifically. Like how does that get woven into the bigger picture of what we just talked about? Well, I really think the cause of Christ is an absolutely primary archetype in the Christian story and mm-hmm. evolution. And it's early. Again, so many people say, oh, it's some new age. And it's new age, and right? That's what I was just yeah. told that a little while ago. It's new age. Oh, <laughs> that just drives me up the wall. <laughs> because Paul, the first writer in the Christian Bible, explicates the cosmic Christ, that Christ is the pattern that connects all things in heaven and on earth. Mm-hmm. And of course, John 1, Christ is light in all beings. Yep. And now science says, oh yeah, there are photons, light waves in every atom in the universe. Mm. That's the cosmic Christ. It's the presence of the divine in all beings. Mm. And, um, and certainly it's shown, it is doxa, it's glory, it, it radiates and it shows. It's certainly shown in Jesus, mm-hmm. and the transfiguration experience is one of the most powerful examples of that. Mm-hmm. And you know, in the Eastern Christian church, the transfiguration is the most important feast day of the year. Not Christmas, not Easter, not Good Friday, but the transfiguration. Mm-hmm. So to their credit, they didn't follow Augustine's see down the psychological path of anthropocentrism and original sin and am I saved? Mm-hmm. Their version of salvation redemption is quote the divinizing of the universe theosis that's their understanding of redemption and um so the cosmic christ um is a a reminder that we're part of this universe and that's again why i'm so interested in today's scientific creation story because it's helping us to name and now you know i mean it's, it's stunning every fact is stunning but that there are two trillion galaxies, each with hundreds of billions of stars, but the Christ is part of that. Mm. That's part of the glory of it all, the dark stuff. Um, so, uh, and Jesus calls us to be other Christ and to recognize the other Christ and others in Matthew 25. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, do this at least to do it to me. That That's the historical Jesus talking about the cosmic Christ. Mm. So, and then of course the I am sayings. Uh, our cosmic Christ sayings, I am the bread of the world, and I am the uh, the vine, and I am the good shepherd. All those I am sayings in John's gospel are cosmic Christ sayings because they're the I am is a divine name from Exodus. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and we can all say those things. It's not just Jesus who's a shepherd or a door. Am, how am I a door? How are you a door? Having a program like this is creating a door. Sure. Um, how are we vines? How are we bred to one another? Mm-hmm. So um, the cause of Christ flips a lot of things. Now, we must say this, especially at this time in history. The Nicene Creed was fourth century, and it was called that Christ defined in the first in the fourth century, mm-hmm. and it was called by the emperor. Um, 
and you know, so we have to step back from that just a little. I'm not saying throw it out. Sure. I'm all for gathering all the efforts by Christians <laughs> over the centuries to try to main the experience. But I do think it we should step back a bit. Oh, fourth century. In other words, what does Jesus know about machine creed? <laughs> what we do know is that Paul, the first writer of the Christian writings, and the Gospel of Thomas also has mm. cosmic Christ in it. Pick up the rock and I am there. Split mm. the wood and I am there. So the cosmic Christ is a sacredness in all beings. Mm. And so it's immensely important architect for a time of climate change and earth destruction. But it's also important for our mystical lives. It's the primary archetype, I think, of our mystical life, that mm. we are all participants in the glory of the earth, as Simon says, the earth is filled with God's glory, and everything the earth gives birth to, including ourselves. Mm. And so it's a marvelous and direct and kind of simple way to connect to the radiance in all things. Uh, Hildegard of Bingen says, there is no creature that lacks a radiance. Mm -hmm. Well, that's another way of saying there is no creature that is not another Christ, because the Christ is a radiance in all things. That's what doxa and glory means. Mm -hmm. So um, it's marvelous summary of Christian mysticism. And Julian over my shoulder, um, you know, she had that vision one day of a ball in her hand, mm -hmm. smaller than a um, uh, than a, 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 um, a hazelnut that glowed. Mm. And she said, what is this? And the answer was, this is everything that is created. In other words, the whole cosmos was in her hand glowing. Mm. And she said, but it's so fragile, it could fall apart at any time. And the answer was, it is love that keeps it together. So that was a marvelous revelation of the cosmic Christ right in her hand. And that's what's the, the, the painter who did that yeah. is the cover of this book. That's the, the moment he's, he's remembering for us there, mm. that her experience of the cosmic Christ. But you go through these great mystics and they all talk about their experiences of the cosmic Christ, not always by name, mm -hmm. but um, again, an archetype is much bigger than one literal definition. It's an experience that is universal mm -hmm. and and that's why in other religions you have the same concept the buddhists talk about the buddha nature that every being is another buddha and um that's what we're saying every being is another christ mm -hmm. and um that includes mother earth who's being crucified mm -hmm. and and remember that i think part of the christian gift to the world is to remind us that when the christ became human or one expression of the Christ was Jesus, and when the Christ becomes human, it suffers, yeah. like everything else on earth. And of course, the Buddhists say every being suffers mm -hmm. in the whole universe. So suffering is part of the picture. Mm -hmm. So the Christ is not pure light. The Christ also has wounds, and that's important to um, you know to to be aware of. Mm -hmm. That is not just about floating through the air like a, like a gilded creature. Uh, no, it's, um, and that's where Matthew 25 comes in, doesn't it? That it's, it's bearing these wounds and it's doing something about them and sharing them and trying to relieve one another's suffering. So, um, so I think the cosmic Christ is a much better Christology, I'll be blunt, than the fourth century Nicene Creed. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm going to throw out the creed. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, hey, let's bring this in because this is closer to Jesus' time. This is the origin of Christian practice, the first century, not the fourth century. The fourth mm-hmm. century was not a good century. That was a century that the church inherited the empire, and that's why the empire wanted a, a creed. Mm-hmm. The emperor wanted a creed and got one. And it's also the century that Augustine started spouting off about original sin, which mm-hmm. is not in the Bible, is not Jewish. Jesus never heard of it. Let me say, Jesus never heard of original sin. What the heck are we doing going down that highway for 16 centuries? Jesus never heard of it. Elie Weissel says, not only is original sin not in the Bible, meaning it's not in Genesis, he said, it's alien to Jewish thinking. Mm. The fall is there, but not original sin. Mm. So to define Christianity, oh, here's a place you get original sin washed away. Hey, <laughs> that's telling Jesus something he never heard about. Yeah, yeah. What a detour we took, and it's absolutely—it's all related to taking over the empire. If you're going to run an empire. Original sin is a great idea. Got to have that at the front. <laughs> Got to have it at the front. Get everyone signed up to kill others and join the army and 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 uh, do it in the name of Christ. Yeah, and I think the you know on that note and in that vein, I think that's how you. That's how you run an empire. That's how you keep people in control. But if you have people really meditating on this idea of the cosmic Christ, that brings a sense of empowerment, right? Because I mean, for me, I've been thinking a lot about, I've been reading it in your book, uh, just finished again, Richard Rohr's book on the universal Christ, uh, Alexander Shai, who I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. he has a piece on it. And so I've been really kind of thinking about this whole idea and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I've been thinking about it is this, that if, if the Christ is like the breath of God that's pulsating through all things, then really at the end of the day, we are all a Christ because we're all part of that. We're all particles of that breath. So I'm not obviously the Christ, but I'm, I'm a Christ. There, there's a, a part of the Christ is within me. And I think when I, when I recognize that and I tap into that and I look at Jesus, who's living from that place in his life on earth, that that does something to me. It's almost like Jesus is holding up a, a mirror of himself saying, this is who you are. This is who you're, you're meant to be. And I think that when you tap into that, as opposed to that original sin piece that I'm, I'm a miserable worm and I can't do anything right, it, it does something for you. So I think if, you, if you're trying to run an empire, having people tap into this idea of the, of the Christ is definitely not the way to do it. Absolutely. You, brilliant. You just put it at 100% accurately mm. that's exactly exactly what happens and mm. so it's dangerous to people who run empires to remind people that they are other christs yeah and and you don't have to apologize for thinking that thomas burton writes about we're other christ dorothy day writes about how we're other christ i mean this is a tradition it's the christian spiritual tradition yeah. it's not the tradition of the the patriarchal pessimists who like Calvin who said we're all nothing but mud inside and out. Yeah. Um, no, it's not that tradition. Mm-hmm. It's it because it doesn't begin with sin. It begins with, well, even the scriptures say the whole earth is full of God's glory. That's right. You know, so it's not just humans, you know, yeah. it's all beings. And yeah. and we know that, you know, we make friends with trees, we make friends with rocks, we make friends with cats and dogs and horses and other beings besides human. Yeah. And we realize there is a gift there. Yes. And and as part of it's another avenue into into God, into our our um, 
or tasting of the good. That's right. So another thing I want to ask you about, and we can close with this one. Um, you have a, a quote in chapter five, and I have it here on my screen. Uh, it's a really short piece, but it's called, comes in chapter five, and the, the section's called Spiritual Practices, the Cosmic Mass and Creativity. Uh, that's the chapter. The section is Creativity on the Demonic. And you have this quote, you say, evil happens not just in our misuse and misdirection of our creativity, it also happens because of what tradition calls sins of omission. That is because of our failure to utilize our creativity and stretch our imagination to the fullest. I was wondering if you could maybe take us into that a little bit more, because there's a lot of people who listen to the podcast who kind of the, the, the crux of what they're struggling with in their faith is that question of the problem of evil and what exactly is sin and why are all these bad things happening? And that's like a, a huge piece that people constantly bring up in our Facebook group and I get emails about it. But this was a really unique take, and it was a really short piece there in the book. But I was wondering if you could maybe drill down into that just a little bit more about that piece about the demonic, sins of omission, uh, things like that. Well, you know, um, traditionally, both Augustine and Aquinas uh, talk about, define um, evil as um, a privation of the good, mm. privation of the good. But that sounds very kind of metaphysical and philosophical and heady. Definitely. Right. <laughs> because my experience of evil is that it's in your face, you know, mm. like it's happening in Ukraine. I mean, yeah. it's, right it's about strength and it's a force in the world. Yeah. And that's where the tradition of, of Satan and of the, the spiritual side of evil comes in, you see. Mm. Um, one of the most important teachings I've had about evil came from Buck Ghosthorst, a Lakota teacher who was a friend of mine and taught my faculty and so forth. And he said to me one day, in our tradition, he said, uh, fear is a door in the heart that lets evil spirits in. Mm. Now, I just, I, I've been exegeting that or unpacking that for probably 15 years. You know, I've been sitting on it and listening to it um, because it brings in evil spirit, you know, and in the modern consciousness, you don't want to, most people don't want to talk about evil spirits. <laughs> But of course, I wrote a boat on, book on angels with Ruben Shelley, so I'm happy to talk about it. Right. angels, and I guess there are evil ones too. But the point of what he's saying is that sin is a, is a door. It's opening a door to evil. So sin is not, sin is so much smaller than evil. Sin is something smaller. Evil is the big thing. And this is what we encounter often, not real often, but at times face to face. And I think we're encountering today as a species when it comes to the destruction of Mother Earth, yeah. on the one hand, and also, of course, this current war, mm -hmm. where war itself is now displaying its evil yeah. in our living rooms every night. Yeah. And I mean, to see just all these people, 10 million people having to flee or, or hunker or at least leave their homes and areas you know, in, in just a few weeks, it's in, see them living and the children. And I mean, all of it is just, it's just one event after another. It's almost more than one can, one can handle. And this is why you have to stay connected to the good when you're, when you dare to walk into the field of evil and start thinking about it. Uh, as Rabbi Zaman Shachner says, there's more good than evil in the world, but not by much. Mm. So that means you got to stay connected to Genesis 1. You got to stay connected to original blessing. Yes, we are a species that can do these horrible things. 
and make up horrible ways to kill one another and to kill Mother Earth and then cover it up in denial. You can do all these awful things. Mm. But um, we're also other Christ. Mm. And, and we can do all these wonderful things. We can be healers. And there are wonderful things coming out of this evil as we see every day. Mm. Generosity and sacrifice of parents and, and all this to, to, to combat evil. And of course, our ancestors did this. I had an uncle who fought in Europe in the Second World War and was there for the, he helped liberate Dachau. He mm. told me stories about what that was like, walking into Dachau, you know, with German soldiers still there. And then I had another uncle who was in Iwo Jima, Marine in Iwo Jima, and so the Pacific War. So, I mean, different generations have been called to different sacrifices. Yeah. And I think this whole event, good can come out of evil. Mm. And uh, just as we're seeing a lot of bad things, there are also a lot of good things coming out of human beings at this time. Mm. And, um, and taking on uh, authoritarianism, which is really the bigger thing going on here, I think, is, mm. is worthwhile. And, and we have to do it at home, too, this very same attraction that Putin thinks he's, he's um, so important for is, is in the mind of some American politicians, as we know at this time, too. So, so evil can bring the worst and the best out of human beings. Mm. Because, as we said earlier, we're so creative and imaginative, but also it is this sin of omission that um, Aquinas says every sin of omission is a sin against justice. I think that's so important. You would turn around me and you say, is every injustice a sin of omission? Because it's a refusal to step up and be countered, isn't it? And to be silent. And of course, I, I'm thinking right now what I went through with the, with the church and with the Dominican order, that some Dominicans, especially in Holland, stood up and supported me very strongly. And some in America, who in fact I thought were friends, and so they just went, nothing, you know, nothing, nothing. <laughs> right. Never talked to me again. Yeah. And so to me, that was a deep lesson. It's not just about me, and the, but about human nature, mm. that, that um, you know, fear plays a real big role. And what about ghosts or fear? Fear is the door in the heart that lets evil spirits in. So how many evil spirits come in when our fear dominates, when we don't stand up and speak out? Mm. Um, and of course, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talked about that, didn't he? That, that silence is, is complicity. Mm. And uh, of course, this is what Russians are, are wrestling with today. And I, I bless those thousands who have already stood up and are now in jail. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, so that too is part of the, the good that's coming out of evil, that, mm. that people are demonstrating their courage. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I don't know a virtue that's more important than courage. And um, Jesus had the head in spades, of course. Mm. And uh, courage is, comes from the word for big heart in French, and our hearts grow from love. And that's why Jesus can say, not Putin, who quoted this the other day in his rant, but <laughs> then Jesus can say that no, no greater love does one have than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yeah. He gives Sister Dorothy Stang, who, who knew she was a wanted woman mm -hmm. in, uh, in the Amazon forest, but stayed anyway to protect the forest and to protect the peasants. And... Um, against the great landowners and all that. Yeah. And, uh, and she got martyred for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so sin of omission, sin of commission, uh, both are can be very grave if yeah. 
they let these evil spirits of hate and, and lies. You know, I think, you know, the more I've watching politics the last 10 years, it's the lies. And that's where the media plays such a big, big yeah. role. Yeah. And, and the first thing Putin did was to shut down all the media. Of course, you don't want truth out there. Mm -hmm. You want your version of things, which ain't the same thing your as true. Your narrative. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and that's why we say, again, traditionally, Satan is a father of lies. Mm -hmm. You know, and you know, you don't have to believe in a Satan as such. Sure. But to realize that the force, the energy behind evil yeah. wants lies. Yeah. wants to run, runs on lies. Yeah. It wants to create its own reality, its own version of truth. And, and again, that's where the, the Christ sayings are powerful. I am the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, in what way are we the truth? Right. Are we working to bring the truth forward? Yeah. And so I, I bless and celebrate all those journalists who are trying to get at the truth. Mm -hmm. and, and even those in Russia who pay a price for it. Um, uh, so, and then, but then it also makes you wonder well, people like Rupert Murdoch and, and, and Rush Limbaugh in this, this selling of hatred that has been going on in the media in America for 25 years. Mm. Years ago, I remember a friend of mine drove across the country and he said, you know, you can't get NPR on radio across the country. In many places, there's no NPR, but there's always Rush Limbaugh. Mm. Always, oh. all the way across America <laughs> is hating on the air. Right. But NPR, you know, an organization that's trying to get at some truths, it's, it's spotty. You jump from place to place. You, you can't get it in many parts of America. So yeah. That was an eye-opener for me. Hmm. So would you say then that, I mean, in, if I'm understanding correctly, and correct me if I'm, if I'm misunderstanding, but evil then is the result of either omitting our creativity, so not using our creativity in a way to create good, or using our creativity in a way to create um, evil, because I look at like what's going on in the world and people are very creative when it comes to evil. People are very creative with ways to um, dominate, ways to oppress, things like that. So it's almost like a using our creativity in a very warped way. So is right. that, is that then, is that those two things then result in evil? Is that what we're saying? Yes, those are some of the avenues for, for evil. You know, Otto Rock, the great psychologist, he died in 1939, but he was brilliant in so many areas. He says that the, the cause of all neurosis is the artiste manque, hmm. the failed artist, that we take our creativity because we've all got it yep. and we turn it inwards in ourselves. We beat ourselves up with it. Yeah. And I think a lot of guilt-ridden religion does that to people. Mm -hmm. um, or we turn it to others and beat them up with it. Yeah. And of course, that's what War is, as you say, war can be very creative and yeah. and not just a physical war, but the war of ideas yeah. and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, I think evil is, is many of those things, but it, it's, it is, I, I always say that, you know, racism, you know, we can throw out the word Satan or Lucifer, Beelzebub, but racism, sexism, um, uh, militarism and authoritarianism and what Pope Francis rightly calls narcissism as a species or anthropocentrism yeah. Yeah. all these are spirits these are evil spirits and why do I say they're spirits because they're bigger than us and they come back in every generation they don't die we're, we're mortal 
These things are not. So they come back in new form. I mean, there is a comparison between Putin and Hitler. I mean, they they were both on this trip. Mm -hmm. And so there is a return of the authoritarianism. And that is the evil spirit, I think, that Buck is talking about. In another generation, we might have called this Satan or Beelzebub or the Antichrist. Now, that's an interesting term Mm. because, too, that can be wielded much too freely and loosely and all that. (laughs) But I think the language there is trying to say that there's the sacred, everything God created. And then there's the anti-sacred. And the anti-sacred comes dressed up as the sacred, like Jesus talked about with the wolves and the... Um, you know, the wolves and the sheep um, and prophets and false prophets. So um, I think all that language is, is an effort to, to name evil. Yeah. And, but evil is spiritual. That's why it's, it's bigger than any just definite one definition. Yeah. And it's something we experience. I mean, I mean, I could ask you, you know, have you experienced real evil in, in your life? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we experience bad things. But even from a person point of view, have you met people, for example, who really seem to incarnate, you know, that, that created for you an, an, ex, an encounter with evil? Yeah. Um, I have met some people like that. Yeah. And and it's not like it's not unlike meeting angels mm-hmm. or spirits of sure. different kinds. Sure. And, and so these are real experiences. And evil is very smart. It goes where the power is. And so it it shows up at a time of a war like this. Yeah. Um, and it shows up in all the denial about climate change. Yeah. That's evil. Yeah. It, it shows up in corporate boardrooms that make decisions to um, to kill Mother Earth. Sure. So not, of course, keep it quiet and buy the media out and so forth. So mm-hmm. so no one else is dealing with it. You know. Yeah, we just had uh, Richard Beck on the on the podcast. He's a he's a psychologist, but he wrote a book um, dealing with the topic of evil and the devil and things like that. Oh. And he talks about how he talks about a lot of things. One of the things he mentioned in the book is how Satan is. You want to call it a spirit, fine. You want to call it a being, fine. But whatever it is, there's there's a force that stands in opposition to love, and it stands in opposition to goodness. And so you look at something like cancer that is a Satan. You look at something like racism, that is a Satan. Like all these different things that stand in opposition to well-being, goodness, love, all of these things can be labeled in some sense as, as the Satan. And so I think that when you, when you look at it through that lens, it just brings a whole different perspective to it than what many of us were raised with. Yeah. And that word force is interesting to use that because that's the word I use too. It's an energy. It's a force. Yeah. It's wrong. That's right. It's, it's real. Easy. Whatever it is, it's real. <laughs> it's real and it's smart. Yes. I mean, it it, yeah. it, it goes where the power is and it, it thinks. Yeah. Well, Matthew, we're just about um, out of time, but as always, this has been a lot of fun. So thank you again for taking the time to join me. Thank you again, Glenn, for, for inviting me. Absolutely. And uh, dare I ask, do you have any other books that are on the horizon that are going to be coming out? Because <laughs> I feel like there's every time I go to Amazon, there's a new Matthew Fox book. <laughs> Well, uh, um, I have a few thoughts, but few um, thoughts. I'd rather not go. There you me. go. We'll, we'll, we'll actually, save I, it. I am working a book on Jesus, actually. Oh, okay. Excellent. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I've Excellent. two books on the cosmic Christ, but I'm, 
I'm getting down to writing something about Jesus now. Not that I've not included him in my other works, but uh, I have an angle on um, understanding Jesus that I think might be useful to people. Excellent. Well, I'm ready. Bring it. All right. We'll do this again soon, all right? Okay, great. Thanks so much. You too. I've been busy searching for you, yeah. Trying to figure out if it's true, true. Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah This mind don't mind, don't play by the rules I'm gon' make sure that I play my cards right Intuition gave me signs that everything is alright Alright Contemplating on my moves, I'm in a fight Under pressure, feel the walls, I'm moving in, it's getting tight Tight. The shuffle getting real. real. I hope it lives on something good. I'm all in for the kill. kill Sometimes kill, it's getting kind of scary. I'm here for the thrill. Decisions on top of decisions, like I chose a pill. The bottle getting kind of empty. Temptations made us presence in the air is kind of tempting. Shortcuts after question, but it got on my attention. Uh oh, and I forgot, but did I mention? Looks like I won the game, made my decision. I listen. I listen. I listen. I've been busy searching for you, yeah Trying to figure out if it's true, true Don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah This mind don't mind, don't play by the rules, no Captain on the low Gotta let it flow Gotta let it go, yeah On to something new, yeah Trying to play it cool Quit with all the tools, yeah Maybe you're my calling like I'm on flight in two ways Manifesting everything I take, it's not too late Running to my purpose like I'm rushing to the gate Of course it's in my planning and it's also with my faith At the end of the day, and we gon' find a way It's a fact of the price that we pay Everything shine to the gray Nothing gon' break through the shade Nothing gon' break through the hate Everything all that we claim Hit the red dot that I aim no missing, I'm focused, no slipping, I'm growing, no talking, just showing, no stopping, keep going, yeah, I'm just trying to break codes, ain't nobody I owe, this the life that I chose, and I'm blessed for it. I've been busy searching for you, yeah, trying to figure out if it's true, true, don't think that I've been played by a fool, yeah, this mind don't mind, don't play by the rules, no. Captain on the low, gotta let it flow, gotta let it go, yeah. On to something new, trying to play it cool, quit with all the tools, 